0: Hello coconuts. Today in TFC Stock Geek Out, we're going to talk about a company that is the world's largest home improvement company. It's benefited massively from COVID, but the story may not be over. Come join us today in Dissecting Home Depot. Joining me today is Timothy Phillips. Tim is the Head of Content and Investment Lead by Prosperous, by CGS CIMB Securities. He's worked in various roles, like The Motley Fool. For reference, this episode was recorded on 24th March, 2022. Our discussion today is solely for education and entertainment purposes. It does not serve as any form of advice or recommendations. Thank you for loving what we do, and please subscribe so we can get even bigger guests. Now, let's geek out! You know, as we kick things off, why don't you explain to us, Tim, uh, you know, tell us a bit about yourself other than what I've said earlier (laughs) and maybe a bit about Prosperous as well.
1: Sure. So, um, so Prosperous is is effectively really a digital investment platform and we're trying to reach out to everybody in Singapore to uh, sort of get them to invest responsibly longer term. And we've got lots of access to different markets on different exchanges, as well as different exchanges. So we have access to about 30 different exchanges across 11 markets. So I think that is something mm. that we really want to push is that we have the global access for investors if they want to go out and invest in and long-term. Prosperous an app, uh, is it a platform? How do, we, how do we sign up? It's actually a platform. So you can either sign up uh, via the web at prosperous.asia. Uh, we also have an app on the iOS store and on Google Play. Um, so basically, it's just more about opening an account. Um, obviously, for uh, Singapore exchange stocks, there are no minimums, actually. So we don't have a minimum for uh, for commission. Um,
0: yeah, awesome. I think we'll put this in the in the link below. So if you're listening through, just click through. You'll be able to find out a bit more as well. Yeah. Awesome, Tim. All right. So today, we're going to talk a bit about Home Depot. Us off. What, what is Home Depot?
1: So Home Depot is actually the world's largest home improvement retailer. So of uh, a self-fixed DIY in Singapore, but, you know, on steroids times that by like a, a hundred or a thousand. And that's probably the kind of store size you would get in the U.S. because everything is just super sized there. So they have about <laughs> 2,300 uh, stores throughout the U.S., uh, Canada, and Mexico, I think as well. So they have a pretty strong presence in North America, but it's mainly confined mm-hmm. to North America. Um, and they're the leading leading home improvement retailer. So everything you can imagine. So plumbing, electrician, um, you know, anyone who's a, a pro builder or home builder will go there to buy their supplies. Uh, we'll go there to you know buy lumber. We'll go there maybe to buy um, anything that needs fixing in the home. So it's basically just an all-in-one s- uh, shop for anything that has to do with home improvement or to do with um, to do with you know decoration. So it's really being a a big um sort of part of the u.s retail scene mainly Mm. because obviously we know how big housing in the u.s is right so i think it's it's the leader in that in that space
0: got it got it so tell us a bit about that scale right you mentioned it's a leader uh in in the u.s in this market for a very big market where it's the Mm. the u.s um you know people are effectively going there to build it themselves uh maybe give us some numbers how big is it
1: in terms of the actual total addressable market for uh, for home improvement, it's estimated, yep. or Home Depot estimates it to be around 900 billion. In the uh, US? In the US, yeah. So that's wow. just in wow. the US alone. And so if you're thinking about the actual um, sort of market share of Home Depot in that space, they've only got about 17 to 18% market share. So even though they're the top and they're the top dog, so to speak, in that space, yep. they still don't have what you would consider a really dominant market share you know maybe upwards of 30 40 so there's definitely still room for them to consolidate i think their market share and grow their market share over time
0: wow got it got it and um you know home depot maybe talk about about the logistics right because um are they in all the different cities how how do they operate
1: yeah so i mean they are across across the across the us um obviously mainly in the us and i think obviously sparingly in canada and mexico but Effectively, what they have done over the past decade is really build out their omni-channel capabilities. And you hear about this all the time about omni-channel, but I think Home Depot really represents that very well mm-hmm. because they've really taken the time to invest into their digital capabilities, um, You know, their in-store pickup, their curbside pickup. And so when the pandemic came, that really helped their business because they'd already made the investments prior to, obviously, everyone staying at home and then having to to go out and uh, or having to order things online or maybe pick things up without going into the store. Um, right. So what they've done is they've been really smart about building out their digital capabilities um, across across the US. And so that can, kind of comes through in uh, the sales as well, right? So I think in the last fiscal year, sorry, 50% of their sales that they made online were fulfilled through uh, through one of the stores. So I think it really allows, hmm. uh, it really gives the optionality of, of either, you know, the, it gives the power to the consumer. They can decide whether they want to go pick it up or whether they want it delivered. Um, and so I think that's a really key uh, key aspect of their business and how they've, how they've become so successful.
0: Wow. Okay. So this was during the, the COVID period, right, that we spoke about?
1: Yeah, they were big. I think they've always been a bit bigger than... Uh, The competitor, so they're number two, I think, you know, probably, I don't know if investors have heard of them, but Lowe's is the number two competitor in that space. And Lowe's is a bit Mm. more geared towards um, the individual DIYer. So their pro business isn't as strong as Home Depot. And so that being, I think, a focus that they've always just had, they've always been the the top player in the pro section, Home Depot. And that's led to them obviously having, I think, higher margins and just bigger revenue as well because they were considered essential stores uh, by the US government they actually never shut during COVID whereas a lot of other stores did did close their doors and they weren't allowed mm-hmm. to open because there was there were lockdowns but because Home Depots and Lowe's were actually considered essential uh, right. they were they were allowed to remain open and obviously costs rose a little bit because there were extra precautions taken with staff and you know social distancing etc etc Um, so cost rose but because they already as i said had that digital capacity in in their in their dna so to speak already already kind of installed it was a lot easier for them to handle the online demand and handle you know the store uh the, the store demand as well because there was a massive spike in demand for people who were staying at home who wanted to improve their home who are maybe looking to move somewhere else, and so I think this is a structural theme. I think one of the key things is that I mean, there's always this stat that's thrown out there about about Home Depot is in terms of you know the the bull case cases that over half of the U.S. housing stock is over 40 years old. So there's a lot mm. of work to be done, right? So there's a lot of housing in the U.S. that's actually very old. And right. that needs work and it constantly needs work. And so if mm-hmm. you do make improvements to it, whether you do it yourself or whether you get someone to do it for you, most likely they're going to be using Home Depot, all those, you know, one of the, the big retailers for home improvement. So a lot of these home builders, they're actually home builder companies in the U.S. They're starting mm-hmm. to build more as well. And obviously the construction and the pros that that construct these homes, they'll be using Home Home Depot type of um, of you know, tools and, and, and equipment. It's one of those companies that I think has really withstood the test of time, basically mm. on merit, you know, obviously with its strategy, but also its size, its scale. So I think that's something right. that really makes it stand out among competitors.
0: Do you have any numbers for us? Like, is this sort of an increasing in terms of, of addressable market over the
1: last few years? Anything like that? Um, I think it's probably, yeah, I think the industrial market's probably increased maybe $100 billion over the past two, three years, um, but there's also a lot of different product categories where they're coming up with ideas. So, for example, Evo yeah. is starting to do a lot more tool rentals, so they're okay. starting to rent out tools to consumers rather than maybe just selling them, and mm-hmm. if you think about the recurring revenue from that one piece instead of it being one massive upfront cost for a piece of equipment and it's, it's just renting because maybe... If you're if you're a DIY or if you're just a consumer trying to buy something and do something, you might not need this particular tool for five or ten years, right? You might just need it once, and then you're mm. done. Um, you know, there's a lot more property that is being refurbished or re- retrofitted to become maybe sort of more geared towards life sciences or data okay. centers or you know other areas as well. So I think those are those are um, those are areas that we don't really think about maybe as as investors, but those are things that we should definitely consider is how property and real estate is changing. And if that is also an area that Home Depot can uh, tap into, and I think it probably will be.
0: Got it, cool. All right, so we've discussed a little bit of that industry, right? It's a growing, growing mm. market, um, so on and so forth. So why, if I am in that industry or in that sector, why should I choose Home Depot? Why not its competitors? You know,
1: David Gunner is the, the the founder, co-founder of the Moiple. We'll talk about buying uh, the leaders, buying the winners, right? So mm. I think winners win is what he likes to say. And so when I think about how I invest or how I pick um, stocks is you don't necessarily want to get the laggard. You don't want to get the number 2 or number 3 that's how i see it with home depot home depot is the biggest it's you know the baddest it's really just got <laughs> everything and it's got the best profit margins it's got the best um sort of average ticket size it's just really the top dog and so when you think about why you want to buy this company or why you want to buy that company in, in any particular sector i like to think i would buy it because it's proved itself over maybe five years, 10 years, and it's proved itself to be the leader and be the winner. It's a bit higher valuation, but you are paying for that quality, right? I think that's that's the key. Um, and so for me, it's really just owning the leader, owning the winners, uh, because I think those tend to keep performing.
0: But in terms of any USP or any sort of um competitive advantage it's probably just size would you say i
1: think it's size and it's and it's dominance in the pro section because the pro section is really where the markets come from and so that dominance in the pro business for home depot um, is is something i think that really stands makes it stand out from its competition because lowes is trying to catch up and lowes is actually doing i think a, a pretty good job of trying to catch up and if you think about Maybe recent returns, I'll be honest, yeah. Lowe's is probably a bit a bit better over the past three or five years, but that doesn't mean that Home Depot's returns haven't been great as well. Um, and they haven't continued to win in that space and, and they do continue to win in that space actually. So it's um it's one area I think that they they have a massive, massive advantage in.
0: Got it. Awesome, you know, and and I think you know I love to understand a bit more how you pick Home Depot, right? So definitely pick the winners, like what you said. Um, but what about the management team? Is that something that you look at? It looks as though it is right. The way that you look at it, they give in line A, I think, with regards A minus, with regards to their their management. Yeah. And um, I do want to talk about that, but just before, I think it's good to mention that you know, what we spoke about, what you spoke about earlier with regards to COVID um, and, and that switch and that pivot and that investment that they did in digital technology to then sustain and grow even during COVID point yeah. in time is, it shows that, you know, they have some foresight. They, they could see these problems and they could therefore look to minimize the risk by pulling out investments in, in the digital strategy space. Yeah. So I think that, that area of them to, to pivot and, and view um view sort of the future is is, is quite important for
1: for any source of or any sort of investor at least yeah. for me right yeah no exactly and i think i, I mean i did want to mention something i forgot to, to mention earlier but it's just a little stat about home depot in terms of its e-commerce market share in the u.s it's mm. actually the fifth biggest e-commerce company in the u.s in terms of in terms of as a percentage of um e-commerce sales so obviously Amazon's at the top, and then you have I think eBay and then uh, Apple um, and Walmart, and then fifth is Home Depot. Um, mm. So Home Depot's got a 2.2 percent market share of e-commerce in the U.S., and that's wow. I think sort of a vindication of how successful its digital strategy has been. Yeah, Lowe's isn't anywhere to be found in the top ten, right? So even even Home Depot ahead right. of Target, um, which is one of the you know, one of the biggest retailers in the U.S. Um, so I think it really shows just how much effort and um, how, how much success they've had in the digital space that they're able to boast that they're in the top five in terms of um, in terms of uh, sales in uh, in terms of market share for e-commerce. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. And you know, as a person that's selling marketing software, that is great.
1: <laughs> yeah. Coconuts
0: uh, for for your listeners out there. Yes, I do work at a marketing software company, so <laughs> it's always uh, it's always good to to find out that it it, it does work. Digital marketing. <laughs> awesome. Um, I wanted to also just ask you. Right, you mentioned the new incoming CEO. Was he a CFO or was he a COO?
1: Ted Decker, I think was. Uh, I think he's. I think he's C uh, CFO actually yeah so he's um he's he's become now ceo and president um and so i think previously he he was maybe ceo maybe chief operating officer yeah chief operating officer actually yeah okay
0: good uh yes i'm just looking at linkedin uh it looks as though it's coo previously yeah um yes and okay so for me that's that's less of a red flag because when you mentioned cfo for me that's that's a big 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 red flag if a cfo becomes ceo yeah
1: um
0: because then mainly he's looking at cost cutting so what what are we not seeing right (laughs) (laughs) right um so i think that's that's definitely i think peloton the cfo just became ceo so um (laughs) uh, yeah 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 (laughs) so that's a big big red flag for me okay good COO moving into CEO is, is usually the correct way, um, at least yeah. that's that's one of my my uh, biases, if you will, right? Or confirmation bias, if you if you want me to look at it that way, um, yeah. in terms of the investment. Nice, yeah. and he's been around for a very long time. As yeah. well,
1: that yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, yeah, he has. So he's, um, yeah. Why do you, why do you sorry? It's just CFO. What, what what's the red flag there? Just out just out of curiosity.
0: Yeah um so maybe because of my accounting background or whatever but um when a cfo and if you look at history cfo moves to a ceo position it's probably yeah. because you need that mindset of cost cutting you need that mindset of increasing the margins right, right? so for me that's the layer one right okay. because that should be already handled not at ceo yeah. level that should be handled at cfo fm fc level ceo should be handling all of that before moving up okay. so if and, and I believe in top-down mind- mindset, right? Top-down yeah. strategies. So if the CFO goes in, his mindset is probably around. First question is, what's the cost? Yeah. Whereas the CEO will be, what's the what's the yield? What am I going to get out of it? At least yeah. that's the way I look at it. It could be very simplistic.
1: Yeah. Um, but yes, that's that, yeah. <laughs> that's the way I think. Okay, no, because I always thought, like for me, it's like, oh, if the CFO resigns, that means something to me, because if the CFO resigns, then he knows something about, or she knows something about the books. So that, to me, mm. is a bit more suspect, whereas, I don't know, coming into the CEO role as a CFO, I feel like if the CFO is uh, capable and they know the business, I mean, they actually probably know the business better in terms of their numbers and, and the way it operates. Maybe not, maybe not at the top level like a COO, but it just seems like they would know you know, where they can maybe get more efficient or, you know, push things. And yeah, I mean, the next era energy, I think Jim Robo just resigned, not resigned, but retired and the CFO took over there. So that's why like John Ketchum, but he's been there for ages. So it didn't really, right. it didn't really, um, Raise any flags with me, maybe. <laughs> so I, was like Got it. I was curious it. why you you had that had that.
0: Yeah, you, I mean, in? I think that's that's basically it because if you, if you go through CFO, will be talking about the margins, right? Uh, right. What's the cost so and so forth. Now that yeah. would be then harder to push through new creative projects right. that you have no data on. Yeah. Right. For example, yeah. a pivot completely into digital or a complete yeah. a complete pivot into TikTok. Who knows? Yeah. Right, right, right where you have to spend millions of dollars and cfo yeah. will be going okay what's what i'm going to get out of this yeah what's,
1: online, right? what's the bottom line right yes <laughs> yeah, exactly
0: right yeah yeah
1: interesting 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 take
0: yeah yeah um all right let's let's run down to some numbers right for our yeah. uh coconuts out cool. there so what what was the revenue last year what was the revenue this year or maybe let's even do pre-covid post-covid what do you have yeah. for us in terms oh. of rev
1: in terms of revenue last year, it was 150 billion, uh, US dollars. So that was, um, uh, oh. that was huge. Uh, and so they've kind of seen 40 billion dollars worth of growth over the past two years. So pre pandemic, you know, um, it was, it was just over 100 billion. Now you're talking over 150 billion. Um, so it's been a pretty good two years. And so I think a lot of these retail companies in terms of, presenting to investors it's been much more common to talk about CAGR over the past two years like a two year CAGR mm-hmm. rather than just say 2020 you know because it yeah. was a one off year and and some companies obviously if they were if they have a big digital presence saw a massive spike um, so home depot itself has seen 100% growth uh, in digital channels over the past two years wow uh, on a two year basis which is still really strong right so and and the dividend as well which i always like to mention that was raised Recently, just by fifteen percent, um, and so okay. it has a really impressive dividend track record. So over over the past twenty years, it's grown its dividend at a uh, compound annual growth rate of uh, just around thirty six point six percent. So that's a pretty extraordinary <laughs> record for a, wow. for a for a for um, a for a company um, like Home Depot. So you know, I think people maybe dismiss it. Or dismiss US stocks. I, I find a lot of people dismiss US stocks because of the tax, but when you kind of have mm-hmm. that sort of growth in dividends, uh, the dividend growth, I think it really shines a light on how strong businesses uh, can be in the US over time, if, if given the time. Yeah.
0: Got it. Cool. And, you know, last but not least, uh, tell us a bit on, you know, the, the, risk profile of someone that wants to put this Home Depot into our portfolio, right? So this is yeah. clearly not a not a growth stock, right, where they reinvest because there's no. dividends coming in, so on and so forth. So a certain maturity. Yeah. How do you see this play? How do you see this play for our users?
1: I think this is more of a I think this is more of a anchor stock in your portfolio. So you're gonna see it provide stability in a diversified portfolio. So you will have some growth in there i mean last year i think they were up 50 or, or or something ridiculous so they still did really well last year in 2021 um obviously this year they're down i think about 10 15 so far this year um but the i think the idea of it is it gives you a leader in a space which has a lot of long-term potential so obviously you're not going to be getting 50 60 revenue growth with high growth stocks but it's already insanely profitable, and it's free cash flow positive, and it's operating cash flow positive. So it's one of those stocks that I would say gives you a bit of growth, mm. but it gives you a bit more. It's it more of like the stability and the dividend growth, which I like, because um, it doesn't yield that much. I think it yields about two point three percent or something, but the growth of that dividend is just is just uh, is insane. I think in terms of in terms of you know. Thirty-six percent over twenty years—pretty <laughs> <laughs> pretty amazing. So, if you're a dividend person, or if you even want to consider just having a dividend stock in your portfolio, yeah, um, I think it's one of those that you really have to consider.
0: So, yes, definitely, right. While we could look at this, uh, as you mentioned, as an anchor stock or as a dividend play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it has still quite drastically dropped. Yeah, uh, I think at its highs at four hundred. Yeah, ish. It's now at 317 now uh what, what are your thoughts on this
1: yeah well i think that's really just been um i think a function of rising interest rates right i mean but that mm-hmm. that's happened to a lot of stocks obviously if you think about it in the relative terms of how it's dropped versus say i don't know a c or a zoom it's really not dropped that much but if you're talking about yes. it from a blue chip perspective i mean it's, it's dropped a bit more than maybe what you'd say a walmart or a target maybe had dropped. But I think maybe that's again focused more on rising interest rates. There is a bit more mm. risk baked in with housing um, in terms of in terms of exposure to to interest rates. But the U.S. consumer is actually very well um, is very well funded in terms of mortgages, and you know there's been a lot of refinancing earlier on in the interest rate cycle to, to take advantage of low rates. And so I don't think the U.S. consumer is actually overextended, overstretched like you found in 2006, 2007. Um, and okay. equity, you know, home equity has actually risen about 35% in the past year. So you're kind of seeing the massive amount of wealth being generated by the housing market. And unless mm. you really think that's going to collapse in the next two, three years, like in the housing bubble, um, yeah. then I think it's going to be, uh, it, it's probably going to be an okay situation for Home Depot. Um, so even even in the housing crisis of 2007-8 where everything dropped off a cliff, um, they, yes. they they actually maintained their dividend at the same rate for a couple of years. They didn't actually cut it or, or, or stop it. So um, it's more a, a question of, do you think this company is, or do you think the housing market is going to crash out? Uh, my, my personal opinion is it, it won't in the next in the next few years. And But you obviously right. need to monitor it uh, because that's a risk is that they will be exposed to the housing markets and the big yes. housing markets and how healthy that is and growth there. So um, so at the moment, it's in root health. It's doing well, but there are obviously concerns with rising interest rates and the war. And if there's a possible recession, then that will impact the, the housing markets. So Got,
0: Got it. Actually, I was taking a look at the numbers as well. Uh, in 2007, 2008, it did not drop by much.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Right, so I think that's, that's, that's good to note, right? So I think even... If there is a recession, there's still going to be houses to be built or yeah. houses to they're be always, fixed. Yeah, there will always yeah. be people
1: are always going to want to improve their home, even if they're not buying a new home, right? So I think yeah. it's one of those, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. Or there'll be some plumber that may need to come in because somebody's pipe has burst yeah. or whatever.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I would like mention one more thing about yeah. them for standing it. out. I think you know they really have taken a lead in the ESG strategy in, in terms of environmental social governance. Um, you know they're not just ones that talk the talk; they actually sort of walk the walk on sustainability and social um, social responsibility. Um, mm. So, for example, during the pandemic, they had paid time off for any associate, which is basically an employee in their store, who contracted COVID-19, and then they had extended dependent care benefits. They had up to ten or fourteen days, rather, paid leave for anyone who had to do undergo quarantine. Um, and they really share profits with their with their associates, their workforce, right? So I think they paid out a massive uh, bonus in 2020 and in 2021. Um, and obviously that, you know, that, that comes under operating expenses and costs. But if you're going to attract the best talent, if you're going to have the best people in your workforce, you want them to be treated well by, you know, by, by the company. So I think this is something that is really stands out for Home Depot, is always recognized as one of the, the, the top Large employees, I guess, in the U.S. in how it treats its staff, and it's really taking a, it's really taking a, a stand on sustainability as well, right? So it has pretty ambitious ESG goals. It aims to have sort of 100% renewable electricity in all its facilities by 2030, um, and it wants to eliminate things like PBS film and uh, mm. and plastic packaging from all its private brand packaging by by 2023. So it wow. measures so it's itself year. every year on how it's performing. Uh, it has like a seven step materiality assessment framework. And okay. so when a lot of companies are greenwashing nowadays, it's really hard to measure what they're doing, but I think hey, you know, Home Depot is really transparent about that. Um, they measure themselves, they grade themselves, uh, and as an investor you can kind of see that because they have a ESG report that they release annually. So I think the transparency there is really is really impressive. And so that's another thing. Mm. I just
0: highway <laughs> yeah no awesome cool so i think as a quick uh you know tldr for our, for our listeners yeah. out there we started off with the industry ex- talking about the total addressable market of you mentioned over 100 billion yeah. um was it yeah more, more than that
1: billion? yeah 900 billion yeah.
0: yeah nine sorry 900 billion um with with home depot only having 17 18 percent of that yeah. sector and it's a growing sector because of what's happening now with with hybrid work models in the u.s yeah and that's one of the the growth regions for for Home Depot. Now, second thing that they did well, uh, which is why it could be a buy for for our investors, is the fact that their their management is quite forward thinking. They have pivoted uh, and and increased their their marketing spend, digital advertising, and you mentioned top five in in the past couple of years
1: market share, yeah, in yeah.
0: the e commerce market share, um, yeah. which is which is great as well. And, and lastly, we also then talked about, okay, so the sector is growing. Home Depot is the winner. So you want to invest in the winners. But on top of that, they're giving some really, really good dividend rates. Yeah. right? So if you're an investor, they're probably in the conservative to mid section, if you will, or neutral uh, <laughs> profile. This could be one for you because this could be an anchor yeah. where, as we've seen in 2007, 2008, there, has, there still has not been much drop. And the FCF is still increasing with the dividends still staying still. So I think this could be a good option. Of course, as always, this is just for entertainment. So please do your own um, research and make your own decision. But this is what we think.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I'd also want to put that disclaimer out there. Yeah, this is all sort of, please do your own diligence. This is not personalized financial advice, yeah. Yes. My head. So yeah. So, um, no, of course. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, no, but I mean, I I am a fan of it, and uh, I think it's you know it is a great company, but obviously it has to it has to match your risk profile, and you have to do your own due diligence and research before you purchase any so, um Yeah, that goes without saying.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Tim. This was a this was a lot of fun. Thanks,
1: thanks Rakesh, for Yeah, was very fun. Good, yeah. Good,
0: to, uh, good to chat. Yeah. Cool. Thanks again, and yeah. thanks, Coconut. See you, and yeah. see you over the next one. Bye. Hey, coconuts. So I hope you learned something useful today. Definitely recognize that investing is a personal decision. We are not giving you recommendations here, but are always happy to geek out with you about different interesting companies and trends for the future. This series definitely has a lot more depth than terms. And we want you to tell us what stock to analyze. So if you have any feedback or ideas, do drop us a line through our socials or email us at hello at the See you in our next episode.